Hello everybody and welcome to the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News coming to you live on Facebook and then wherever you get your podcast from at a later date. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today all the way in the USA is Mr Joe Bray. Joe, how's it going? It's not too bad, thank you. It's uh, still absolutely roasting hot with uh, mm-hmm. about 100% humidity, but uh, we're powering through and I'm, I feel like you've had your, your heat issues as well, so I can't complain too much. No, you'll, you'll be happy to know we're back to normal here, back in um, oh, the yeah. great Manchester area now. It's grey, it's rainy, it's a lovely cool 16 degrees, which at any mm. other time would still be quite balmy for a summer, for an English <laughs> summer, but um, it's an absolute relief. It almost feels freezing. That's how mm. hot it's been the last couple of days. I've certainly not got a sweat on in the office which is i guess a podcast studio at present today thankfully and also joining us today uh, a little podcast debut is mr alex brotherton alex how are you doing mate yeah not too bad thanks mate um i think usually i'd be a bit uh bit jealous of the weather's joe having but you know pretty glad after hmm. the uh, start we had to the week but um yeah. yeah glad to be here and uh sort of delving into how city got on last night so yeah absolutely be absolutely well, that's exactly that'll be our main talk of um conversation today joe you were present in houston as city got their pre-season there a quite meager pre-season so off to a winning start a 2-1 win over club america having lebron grabbing both goals all goals coming in the first half um two very well taken strikes there were from De Bruyne, and as we kind of predicted on tuesday's episode not an easy game for City at all, but they did manage to kind of fight their way through it. Yeah, I was quite impressed with with City. Obviously, the main talking point, which I'm sure we will get onto, is that Erling Haaland started on the bench and then didn't come off it. He didn't even get in, changed into his training gear. Um, but that kind of helped City, I think, because if he's not going to be fit, then you may as well use the players who are. And I thought there was a lot of really promising link-ups. So Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, running through the centre, from the first whistle he ran from the halfway line to the, to the opposition box, like he was in the middle of the season playing three times a week, not the first game of pre-season. And that sort of set the tone for City, a high press. Julian Alvarez made his debut. I thought he was really, really good, really encouraging. Um, Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez on the wings were sort of stepped up because it's, it's a season where they kind of need to uh, with the departures that, that City have had. So I think it was very, very encouraging. Um, Club America are sort of three games into their season. They played Chelsea in a friendly. So they were always going to be a bit fitter, um, a little bit. Uh, we, we knew they were going to be a bit feisty as well. They didn't waste any excuse to kick Jack Grealish and try and get him sent off. I think they picked up three or four bookings in, in the game in total. Um, so that sort of made City, they, they had to really play football and and not treat it like a friendly. So that probably will help in, in the long term. And it was uh, all in all, I think there were far more positives than, than negatives for Guardiola. Yeah, definitely like City were taking it seriously. I think at one point in the second half, or maybe even the first half, I think, I think it was just before De Bruyne's goal, actually, second one. Grealish kind of got fouled in the box and it definitely should have been a penalty. I swear he's not complained as much for a penalty in actual competitive football. He was really desperate for it, but didn't get yeah. it, unfortunately for him. So it was a little Grealish little told him, he spoke to Grealish... Um, afterwards, and he said he'd been looking at the the things in the in the dressing room, and he was he was still sort of annoyed that he'd not been getting the penalties. But he, he'd been targeted <laughs> all night. He's been targeted all night. They were trying to get him sent off. Um, at one point, he was applauding the referee when he finally did give a decision. Um, it was, I mean, there was a trophy to play for. It's one of these sort of pretend preseason ones, mm-hmm. the Copa de Lone Star. It looked like he really wanted to win it. <laughs> Put it in the cabinet, seriously. Oh, Belton. Well, Alex, you know, um, 
unlike Joe, we are in a completely different time zone. So I think the match eventually, after a weird confusion over the kickoff time, it actually got underway at 2am British time. Um, We tried to stay up, but I think um, in this heat, it's still getting pretty tiring, hard to keep up. But from the highlights you've seen, and as Joe says, they're quite a competitive game. There isn't really much better way for City to get back into action in such a, you know, a feisty affair. You don't want as good, or maybe as confidence boosting as 8-0 batterings of lower league teams may be. They don't really help you prepare as much as kind of really competitive affairs. Yeah, I think you've hit the, hit the nail on the head there. It's, it, this game was always going to be about, you know, kind of A, sort of fitness, B, maybe, you know, figuring out who's the who's kind of getting into the swing of things quickly, who's sort of going to be in the best shape and the best sort of form in those uh, like early weeks of the season. So I think it was good to play against them, um, you know, clearly a very physically fit, but also perhaps, you know, a team that's a bit more in the swing of in, things than uh, than City are. Um, I thought it was a pretty good contest. Obviously, you could tell probably primarily with uh, Kevin De Bruyne sort of moments of genius, you know, they were City were a cut above in terms of technical stuff and, and moments of real quality. But, you know, this wasn't like a one-sided game like Club America had their own sort of forays forward, uh, pulled a few saves out of Stefan Ortega, who I thought looked really comfortable on, on his debut, and I'm sure we'll come on to him in a minute. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good sort of, uh, a good, a good like, a battling game for City. Obviously, they dropped their own moments of quality in there. Um, but for, for Guardiola, I think he'll just be pleased that, and as he said, yeah, he'll be pleased that there wasn't any sort of injuries picked up during the game. Uh, quite a few players got runs out. He got to see a lot of the young players as well. And uh, obviously, it's not ideal that Erling Haaland sort of missed his what would have been his debut because of uh, niggles, as, as Pep Guardiola likes to put it. But in a way, he probably learned more from that because, as, as as you both said, like you know, it's a given that Haaland is going to be City's main striker this season. We need to find out what's going to happen if he can't play for whatever reason. So I think, yeah, in that sense, it was probably went pretty much as well as as you could really hope for for a, for a first preseason game. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, actually, the Haaland didn't play. Um, I'm sure much to your dismay, Joe, when that team news came out. The uh, He still managed to get sneaked into the blog headline because he wasn't there. I, I say that was the main story. But, you know, that's who we was excited to see. But in his absence, we still did have three um, debutants. Um, in, in his absence, it was Julian Alvarez who did get the um, the central striking role that he's, you know, been kind of already staked his claim for, even though, as Alex says, uh, he's definitely not going to get it um, for, you know, as long as Haaland's fit. So, how did Alvarez do on his first outing, as well as um, Calvin Phillips, who came on in the second half, and uh, Stefan Ortega, who played the whole game in goal? Um, I'll start with Ortega. He made a good, really good save, sharp save early on. Um, didn't really have much to do. The goal, I wouldn't say it was his fault. I think the defenders left him a bit high and dry, and it was just a one-on-one ch- chance that went under him. Um, there was one moment where delivered like a pinpoint pass to the halfway line and it was very Edison-esque, um, which I think would probably be what City are looking for more than the shot stopping. So that's probably quite an encouraging debut. And he played the whole game, uh, which given that he's not going to play that many minutes, it's probably quite useful for him just to get a bit of feel for that. So uh, yeah, solid debut from Ortega. Alvarez, I thought was really, really good. He's obviously been playing since February. He's not needed the preseason. If anything, it's a bit of a rest for him because he's been playing week in, week out. Um, but he looked sharp. He looked a, a step above everyone else fitness-wise. Um, and just having that central striker, we've we've missed it with City. And it was little things like there was a, a 
an attack in the box and it, the ball broke and he was there reacting and he won, won the ball back in the box and kept possession when maybe last season the defender might have been able to clear and it, it just kept the pressure on. But I think what was most noticeable was how his running through the channels created space for De Bruyne. So he would take one of the defenders out with a really good run. I think City might need to get used to playing that pass to feed the, the runner through the middle because they've not been used to that. They've been used to spreading it out wide and building patiently. There were a few times where he was probably open for a run on goal and no one fed him, but that, that'll that come with, with time. But the fact that he was making those runs, the space just opened up for De Bruyne to drive through the centre and that's that's what brought the goals about because and if, if, that, if he can do that or Haaland can do that and allow players like De Bruyne to really push through that attacking midfield, it'll give the defence defenders another thing to think about. And De Bruyne will waste no opportunity by making those driving runs into the box. And I th- yeah, I think Alvarez was maybe unlucky not to to get a goal. I think there was one chance where he probably should have had a shot and he, he hesitated a little bit, but um, a very, very encouraging debut. And he was probably the one to benefit from Haaland's absence because he's now shown Guardiola, look, this is what I can do if Haaland isn't there we're going to be all right because he's going to cause defenders, defenders a lot of problems. Absolutely. And how about Phillips? He came on the second half. I believe he actually played um, in the defence when he first came on before kind of moving out to midfield when more changes were made. How did they do that? Yeah, well, obviously, um, John Stones and Amy Laporte aren't there. So that left Diaz and Nathan Ake as the two uh, senior options. Diaz was ill. He didn't train on Tuesday. He did train on Wednesday, but wasn't ready. And he was there at the stadium in his training gear. So there's no there's no issues with him, but he wasn't there to play. So that left Nathan Ake and uh, Luke Mbete at the back. And then I think just at half time, they probably just want to change things up, keep Ake fit because he'll probably have quite a big role to play against uh, Bayern Munich on, on Saturday. So then Phillips came on in centre-back, which is he might never play there again for City, but he looked okay. He looked like a player out of position, having played a week under Pep Guardiola in training. I don't think we can judge too much on it. There's a couple of times where like Jack Grealish had to, he wanted to lay it off to him and he was probably 10 yards further back than where Grealish wanted him to be. So he had to be told where to be. But again, that'll come with, with time. And for the last 15 minutes, they made a change. They brought Rico Lewis on it right back. Kyle Walker went into the centre. And that was when we saw Phillips in the uh, in the central midfield and interestingly he played alongside Rodri so it was that sort of double pivot that we're used to from England so that those 15 minutes are probably more indicative of what we're going to see from Phillips going forward if, if he is going to play alongside play that role bombing forward from deep uh, going into the attacking midfield areas that that might be uh, what we should expect from Phillips we spoke to him actually um, in the team hotel the other day he was um, really nice guy a bit quiet at the start but then opened up uh you've probably seen the headline that he said i would never have signed for manchester united don't worry about that he said the uh his loyalty to leeds meant that that was never going to happen but in terms of position he said he'll play wherever he's he's asked he's comfortable playing in defensive midfield he's he's played in attacking midfield in the past and he said he's just there to learn from pep guardiola he said even if it's a year under guardiola that's going to be a really really good year he's there to test himself every day against the best players in the world he, he was saying that he, he loved playing against City even when they were losing 4-0 just because the standard is so high and it's it's such a test so I think he is there for the right reasons he's, he's he knows that Rodri has that place he knows he has to fight for it he knows his World Cup place could be at risk but he, he seems like he's up for the challenge and really wants to learn from it so yeah I think those 15 minutes at the end is probably 
what we're going to see Phillips like going forward rather than the uh, you know 30 minutes at centre back. Yeah, absolutely. But it is, I presume it's pretty good to know that if it need be, Phillips can slot in there at centre back because, you know, yeah. City had to call on Fernandinho to play there at points last year. You, you never know what might happen throughout the season. So if he's comfortable playing there, you know, there's another feather to his bow to get into the team, isn't it? And that's what you need to be as a City player. You need to be versatile and able to adapt to different positions. But it certainly sounds like a promising start for City's new signings, Alex. What have you made of the kind of the business? On a whole, you know, Haaland as well, who will come on to, as well as the sales of, you know, Sterling, Jesus, Gorn, Zinchenko um, leaving for Arsenal as well. What, what have you made? Do you think City's squad is looking stronger than it was last year? Or if not stronger, just in, refreshed at the right time to keep everyone kind of hungry and uh, eager for trophies? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the key, actually, what you just said. I, I guess it remains to be seen whether it's stronger, but I definitely wouldn't say it's any weaker. I think what you've seen with, you know, Haaland and Alvarez coming in and um, and Raheem Sterling and, and Gabriel Jesus going out is that whereas last season City had so many wingers and no strikers, now they've got, you know, they've got a couple of strikers and perhaps, you know, maybe one short of, of how many wingers they'd want in an ideal world. But, you know, there's going to be enough opportunities for everyone to get game time. So I wouldn't say it's, you know, the, the squad's shrunk in terms of um, the options. It's just the options have changed a little bit. And I think it's always important to, um, Guardiola said in the past, it's always important to change and refresh things. Um, I forgot, him. He's, he's got like a funny little saying for it. I can't remember what it is, but, you know, um, shake. I think that was it. We need to shake. Um, so I think it's it's good that they've done that um, after, you know, four titles in five years. This is probably, this summer's probably the biggest shake-up they've had in terms of personnel. Um, and I think it's probably about time, you know, we don't you don't want to have a situation like City have had in the past where things have got stale, and they've had a bad season. Um, so I think in terms of the business, um, I think they've done very well, actually. I think perhaps this um, the, the the pursuit they're having now for Mark Kukurea, and we'll have to see how that pans out, but um, that might be the only sort of spot where they wish maybe in an ideal world they would have got it done earlier in the summer. Um, they wouldn't still be like in the middle of negotiations now with, with a, less than two weeks till the start of the season. But on the flip side of that, that seems to be a result of having all these other things to sort out first and having to sell Zinchenko first as well. So, but with the rest of the business, you know, Harlem was sorted really early on. Alvarez obviously was signed in January. Um, didn't have much trouble getting Phillips. Ortega, free transfer, looks like a really good piece of scouting. Um, and then with the sales, you know, to get sort of a combined like 90, 92 million from two players whose contracts were due to expire in less than a year. I mean, they're probably. I'd, I'd say that I'd probably argue that Sterling's probably worth a little bit more than forty-five million. But you know, given the contractual situation and uh, and kind of the lack of teams out there who were willing to spend that much money, you know, I think that's great business to to get those funds in uh, for players that clearly wanted something new, a new challenge. You know, play more guaranteed minutes. So yeah, I think maybe Bar. Well, we'll have to see how the Cookerator business goes. But apart from that. Um, where there's a question mark, I think City have had a really good summer, um, and I think Cheeky Bagheristan will be really happy with um, with the deals that he's pulled off. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, the biggest deal, of course, was Haaland. Um, as we've alluded to, Joe, he wasn't. You know, he was on the bench for the game, but had no intention of ever coming on. Um, it looks like there's nothing to worry about. There was a tweet going around the other day about, uh, I think, like an American senator or something who's seen uh, whose last name's Haaland, who has broken a leg, fallen over something, and. 
the tweet was Haaland injured, fibula, no no time frame for recovery. And I've seen a lot of City fans <laughs> stressing over that. And rightfully so, I think I clicked it thinking, oh, bloody hell, here we go. But he's fine, even despite these niggles that kept him out of the game. Um, he is fine. He said himself and Guardiola has also confirmed that he should be playing against Bayern on Saturday. But why don't you just kind of fill us in on the, the full story of um, why Haaland was on the bench but didn't get on? Well, Haaland himself said that he's planning to play against Bayern, so that should be encouragement. Um, I don't think he needed to be on the bench. It sounded like there was never any intention to bring him off it. And from the moment he walked into the stadium, everyone else was wearing training gear and he was wearing the new casual range hoodie and trainers. And he looked like he was there just as a sort of an extra with the team. Um, so, yeah, I, I know the fans here will, will have been disappointed, but there's no point risking him. I think Guardiola said after the game, he's only had two training sessions. Uh, both have been here. Um, it's it's all about managing him. There's no point risking him even for five, ten minutes if he's not fit. He's played a lot of football in the last year. Um, managing that that fitness and that return so that he's good in the Premier League has got to be the priority, um, even if it's disappointed 60-odd thousand fans here and anyone watching at home in the early hours. But, um, yeah, I, th I think Guardiola said... It's about a sort of slow and steady thing for Haaland. The players we've spoke to have said, you know, let's let's let him bed in, give him time. He seems to already be making um, an impact in the dressing room with his personality, which, as you would expect from someone with the the personality that he shows, I, th I think it's it is simply just a case of of what City and Guardiola say. Guardiola are saying that he's not he's played a lot of football. Need to manage his return and. Uh, yeah, let's see if he can get on against Bayern. Um, I think Guardiola said he might get some minutes. So, again, he might not start in Green Bay, but uh, anything would be better. And then maybe he'll play a bit more in the Community Shield, a bit more than against West Ham. And that's the way that they do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that probably wouldn't be the kind of the most egregious kind of managing at all. Like, we know um, he's got not got the best injury record, Haaland. And Alex, I kind of pose this question um, a couple of weeks ago, to both Joe and Sai, and you know, both Sai and Joe were pretty, um, you know, put me in my place, pretty forthright in saying that you know it's not a concern. You know, City wouldn't have signed Haaland if they had any worries about his injury record or anything. But fact is that Dortmund, for the last couple of years, despite having a ridiculous goal to game ratio, he didn't play nearly as many games as he could have done. He was, while never, I don't believe any injuries ever been like a really serious one or long-term or anything like that. But there's definitely been a month here, a couple of weeks out there, two months every now and then during his time there. He's certainly at 22 as well. He's got a lot of kind of miles on the clock already. And, you know, he's coming to City with a bit of a problem as well. Is, is there at all an issue about our concern about Haaland's injury record going into this season? Because City have put a lot of eggs in that basket. And if it... I think that's the only way it could possibly backfire if just Haaland is, especially with a bit more of a physically, um, you know, stereotypically physically imposing league that the Premier League usually is, especially compared to the Bundesliga. Is there any concern that if Haaland's injury record at all, do you think? Um, I mean, it's it's not the worst injury record I've ever seen. I think he, he missed 16 games. I was actually writing about this before. I, I don't memorise these kind of numbers off my head. Um, he, 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 sure missed 16, uh, he missed 16 of uh, Borussia Dortmund's 45 games last season in all competitions. So obviously it's, it's not ideal, but I think, I don't know, it's not, as you said, none of the injuries were, you know, 
he, he's not got you know like a, a recurring sort of hamstring problem or you know he's he's not doing his knee in like every every year or whatever um and also i think that the, the point is i don't think city have bought Haaland to play every single game i know as you say they have spent an awful lot of money on him and I think perhaps the whole circus about was he going to go to City, was he going to go to Real Madrid, has kind of hyped everything up to be, you know, like it's Haaland or nothing. If if he if he turns out to, you know, miss half of the season through injury or something, or God forbid something happens, then City are, uh, are sort of absolutely screwed. But, you know, City were the top scorers in the, in the Premier League last season, 99 goals more than any other side. They didn't have a problem scoring... And no disrespect to these teams, but you know, mid mid table to lower table sides, sort of like you know, maybe Newcastle or Everton, those teams like that. They didn't have problems scoring goals against those kind of teams. Haaland's been brought in for the really big games where one chance missed, which happened in a few games, can be the difference between winning or losing, or putting a game to bed, or leaving it open, or you know, as Pep said after the two two draw with Liverpool, we left them alive. And that was because City had a few clear-cut chances, didn't take them. And against teams like Liverpool and Real Madrid, we saw that as well. If you don't finish them off when you have the chance, they can come back. So, you know, perhaps there is slight concerns about, you know, if Haaland was to pick up an injury and miss these big games, then you would be thinking, well, this hasn't really worked out, has it? But I think going into the season, as long as City do manage his minutes sensibly and, you know, if we've got a home game against someone that's lower in the table and he's not feeling 100% fit. Well, we've already seen yesterday with, you know, Kevin De Bruyne and, and Julian Alvarez can form a really good partnership and there's plenty of other players in there that can lead the line and City will be fine without him. So I think as long as they manage him and he can play in most of those big games, I think I think it's just sort of, it's a partnership that's going to work really well, I think, between, between player and club. Um, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, definitely. I think we can already see just from him not playing this match when there was an expectation for him to, to that, you know, City are already aware and will do all they can to kind of make sure he's always at the best fitness and won't take any silly risks. Um, Joe, we touched on him earlier. I do want to know, we talked about last on the last episode previewing the match, but how this pre-season tour with Foden absent is a really big opportunity for Grealish to kind of stake his claim in the team. Um, did he go about doing that uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever day it was, they're all blending into one at this point. Um, yeah, did did he kind of stake a claim for his team? Did he? Um, how did he do? I thought he was brilliant. Um, it was off the left. He always looked to beat his defender, and almost every time did. Um, he was sort of weaving in and out of them, creating chances, linking up well with people like Bernardo and and De Bruyne and. Um, Cancelo was in a sort of a weird inverted fullback role. He wasn't really at left back, but he he, he helped him out as well. Um, there was about three or four times where he'd just skip in and out of, again, three or four players. Um, got a very rough treatment from from the Club America players. Uh, their goalkeeper Guillermo Ochoa, the uh, the Mexican guy, he was he wasted no opportunity just to give him a little push when he wanted a penalty and start a bit of handbags and they're all doing that. They're all trying to just wind him up and, and get him. And, but he, he reacted well to it. And he, I thought at one point he might've lost his head and maybe done something silly. He was applauding the referee, as I say before, but in, in the whole, I think he did let his football do the talking. He was getting kicked left, right and centre, but at the end of the day, he'll come off that pitch knowing that, he was better than all of those Club America defenders. He was, he was, he was really, really. Good. It was like watching him 
for Aston Villa. And I think because he has someone to link up to now in the centre, Alvarez was sort of roaming around a little bit, but having that that focal point really will help him. Um, and yeah, he was really good. Um, the the rest of the interview that we had with him in the mix zone will be coming out shortly, but he was just saying he, he loves getting kicked and uh, sort of uses that to his advantage. And uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he looks like he's got a point to prove. Um, he was. Uh, I, I was really, really impressed with what he did. And if this is a season where he does step up, then then good on him. And he's used the last twelve months to his advantage. And it's it like I said before when he was telling Phillips what to do. That shows that he's learning from Guardiola and learning the tactical side. And he's now telling the new boys what to do and where to be. And that, I mean, the difference in, in 12 months in that respect is probably quite high. So, yeah, I think Pep Guardiola will be really, really pleased with what he saw from Grealish last night. Yeah, definitely. He certainly looked good in, from the the brief highlights I've seen. Um, someone else who did look good, Alex, is it was Kevin De Bruyne, obviously. No, we've gone 24 minutes now. We haven't really touched too much on his goals. The first one, was a brilliant strike from kind of the edge of the D, curling it into the bottom corner. And then the second goal, it, you know, the the mix of the Martin, I believe it's called, the Club America striker, put one through kind of Ortega's legs for their goal. And then, you know, almost taking a right issue with it, De Bruyne went, goes back up the other end a few minutes later and does it even more elegantly through Ochoa's legs, um, thanks to an absolutely amazing pass from Mares. He certainly, De Bruyne certainly looks ready and raring to go for another big season. I, I remember, the, I can't remember which one it was now, was it 18-19 maybe, when he was out for, um, for most of the season with some bad injuries and he came back toward the end of that year and then the following season, like a player looking to make up for lost time. And I, I, still, I don't think that fire has kind of gone out of him yet. He's Even in a friendly, he's just kind of, a, as you said earlier, like a real cut above. And it, it already feels like it's going to be one big season from De Bruyne once again. Yeah, I mean, I think Guardiola mentioned this after the after the game, but it, it's kind of night and day. Uh, De Bruyne this preseason and last preseason, in the sense that he, bet he didn't really have a preseason last year. Obviously, he he got that injury in the Champions League final, and then he went to the Euros, not really fit, got injured at the Euros, and then it took him months and months. I mean, to to get to his best, we didn't really see his best until sort of January, really. So you know, a good three or four months of the Premier League season. Whereas now, you know. Obviously, he had those Nations League uh, games, which he wasn't best pleased about a couple of months ago. But, you know, he's had three weeks off since then. And, um, and yeah, he just he, he looks already at his, at his sort of approaching his peak level, which is it's obviously great news for City. And it's brilliant, obviously, with Haaland not really being up to his uh, up to his fitness yet. It's great to have just De Bruyne's drive, as we saw with those goals that... Um, that first goal where obviously uh, Alvarez sort of creates a bit of space for him and it's just classic Kevin De Bruyne, isn't it? You know, just surging into the space. Very much um, a player for the transitions that we saw last season as opposed to, um, you know, sort of different iterations of De Bruyne we've seen in in recent years. He was He's really um, seems to have not lost any of his power or, um, or kind of the drive that he, he showed in the last uh, few months of last season. Um, so I think, yeah, that could be a really good thing for City um, heading into the season because like City aren't don't usually start the season too well. You know, the last few seasons now, they've been a bit off the pace after a month or two. Um, but I mean, all the signs from De Bruyne are that at least if that's the case again, it's not going to be down to him because he already looks like he's up to nearly up to full speed. And, um, 
you know, if it takes time for other players to sort of get back to full fitness or get back to match sharpness, you know, De Bruyne is one of those players that has the ability to drag others along with him. So if there are a few rocky games at the beginning, there's a decent chance De Bruyne can kind of, you know, inspire City to push on through that and, and sort of pull results out of thin air. So um, it is really a benefit that he's around uh, and fit and firing already because at the start of last season, obviously the season turned out fine. But at the beginning, City weren't at their best and De Bruyne wasn't even playing. So, um, yeah, it looks like it's it's going to be a better situation this time around. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was, I was just thinking, like, I swear De Bruyne had a bit of a problem last year. I completely forgot about it. I was, and I went through his kind of game stats and he did, you know, he played the first game against Spurs coming on, then had a bit of an ankle injury um, and then was playing quite a lot, then got COVID. So, yeah, it was a lot of very stop start. I had forgotten about the, um, the nasty blow he took in the Champions mm. League final. And I should say, came back. Um, it took him a while to get there, but I should say a, a massive benefit to City to have him already kind of approaching his best at the start of the season. Um, as we said, Joe, um, a few youngsters got on the pitch as well, over to the fact that City squad is kind of um, depleted with four players not making the trip. Um, Kai here, uh, Liam Delap, Cole Palmer, Rico Lewis, James McAtee and Josh Wilson-Esbrand all got onto the pitch. Um, did any impress them? Did any make a claim for being more involved in Guardiola's squad um, for the coming season? Or do you, do you suspect, just, you know, I presume they didn't have an awful lot of time, but do you suspect that um, there'll be some uh, loan, loan moves on the horizon for a few of them? Well, none of them did badly. There was Luke Mbete who played the full 90 minutes at centre-back as well. Um, of course. I thought largely he was solid. I, th- I think him and Ake were culpable for the Club America goal, which was one pretty simple ball over the top that they both both fell for, but he he can probably come away thinking he did quite well. He was linking up with the rest of the team, just like any other centre-back in, in City squad would. would. Um, then Wilson Esban came on at half-time at left-back. I thought he was quite good, especially driving forward a few times where he got the crowd really involved because he skipped past a couple and, and created a chance. Cole Palmer on the other side, I think they doubled up on him because he every time he got the ball, he was really crowded out, but he looked lively again. Liam Delap showed probably what City would get from a bit of a more physical striker if they had one on the bench, um, because he was sort of giving the the centre backs a, a bit of a, a bit of a game in the last fifteen minutes or so when he came on. I thought Kaiki was good as well. Um, he he was skipping past a couple and and trying to get into the box. But when you've got basically an EDS front line in in midfield and attack, it's going to be a little bit difficult against all these these Club America players who are more up to speed. But again, none of them did did too badly. Maybe I think the usual suspects, uh, Palmer, McAtee, Delap are probably going to be the most likely ones. Guardiola did say uh, that Wilson Esband is an option to cover at left back if if a if a new player doesn't sign, and he said that City will go into the new season without a new left back if one doesn't doesn't arrive. I don't think they're willing to meet Brighton's asking price for Cucurella. So if that happens, then maybe we will see a bit more of Wilson Esband, but there was a sort of a, a strong word of caution from Guardiola that he's had a lot of injuries. He's only played once in a senior first team game. So it's probably might be a bit too much to ask for him to be, let's say, take the role of Zinchenko straight away. But uh, it seems that, you know, Guardiola is willing to trust all of these players. And if they are here rather than get sent out on loan, then they'll, uh, they'll get the chances if they're needed. Well, it'll be certainly interesting to see if any of them get a chance in City's next game because, Alex, um, the significantly tougher opposition coming up next on Saturday in Green Bay. Um, City will play Bayern Munich, who, 
even though they've lost Robert Lewandowski to Barcelona um, this summer, I've quietly gone about kind of refreshing, rebuilding the squad, and I've got quite the team of really, you know, still have all the usual suspects that we know of here. Alfonso Davis, um, Leo Isani, of course, who will come on to, Joshua Kimmich, Manuel Neuer, Thomas Muller and the like, Serge Gnabry as well. But they've also added, of course, City's old foe, Sadio Mane, as well as um, and players that I'd actually kind of forgotten, like Ryan Gravenberch and uh, Mazarap. No idea how to say his name to be honest with you. The Ajax right back, Maz Rawi. I'm going to go for. Yeah. There we go. Him. There we go. We got there in the end between us. You know, and, and of course, they've recently got Matic's Delict from Juventus. So they've quietly gone about strengthening their team quite significantly and, and you know, bringing in a lot of um, young, exciting players as well. Um, this is going to be quite the test for City and a real good barometer of where they're at ahead of the season. Yeah, I mean... It's it's a step up from Club America, that's for sure. And but I think it's the kind of game that that you want really, because I think I think you said at the beginning of the show, Dan, that you know there's no point playing sort of lower league teams that cities under twenty threes. You could play a, a starting eleven of EDS players and they'd still win six 0 or something. Like what's what's the point? You want these games against <laughs> big teams that, um, like Bayern Munich, who. Um, you know they're going to give the senior players a test. They're going to give the young players like definitely a test. Um, and yeah, it's just obviously it's it's not going to have any bearing on say if City were to come against Bayern Munich in the Champions League or something like that. This is going to have no bearing on that. Neither team's going to be too disappointed if they lose, um, despite the sort of the, the the gravity of the two teams playing. But yeah, it'll be a great test. It'll be you know maybe a test if Guardiola's got any other sort of tactical ideas to try or players to, to try in certain positions you know it's it's good to do that against high quality opposition so you can get a better gauge on how they work and um, and I guess it would just be a good spectacle for those for those fans up in Green Bay as well you every fan wants to see and obviously yeah it's not a competitive fixture but you know you want to see your players and your, and your team playing against other quality teams so um, I think from every angle it's it's an exciting pre-season uh, pre-season fixture and uh, I'm sure it'll be a good good game up in Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely, Alex. But I must say, I do take umbrage with you saying that City's EDS team could beat any lower league team when I do recall a little team called Bolton Wanderers beating them quite handedly in the old <laughs> Papa John's Trophy a couple of years ago. But uh, don't mind me, don't mind me. I apologise. Of course, I'll let you off, Cock. Don't you worry about that. But also, Joe, you know, as we said there, it's Leo Arsani coming up against City for the first time since his departure. His move to Bayern hasn't really gone probably as he planned. Obviously, he's got a league title under his belt, but that doesn't really count for much um, at Bayern Munich now. He he hasn't kind of gone on to the next level like he expected he would do. Like he you know, that what like he left City for, really. He hasn't got the Champions League yet. Um, and he, if anything, he's kind of I don't want to say be a flop and be too harsh. He's still only young, still obviously an immensely talented player. But you it's quite easy to forget. That he's about because you just you just don't hear anything about him these days. He seems like he's kind of gone off the map completely for a player who was such a brilliant one in the Premier League to watch. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking this recently, and then I looked at his stats, and let me look now. He's played eighty nine times, twenty four goals, twenty seven appearances, and that's not too bad in terms of goals and assists. Um, but yeah, like you say, he, he's had those sort of there was a time where he's subbed on and then subbed off, and uh, it seemed it's looked like his, his start to life at, at Bayern wasn't as, as easy as he might have thought, but I think he might have bounced back a little bit. And then, like you say, he's not sort of on the sort of 
English consciousness anymore because he's not maybe not having those effect, uh, sort of match-winning effects in in the big games that he used to have at City. So um, I think it was Zinchenko when he was still in the training camp. He was saying um, everyone's really looking forward to seeing him and they all get along with him and it sounds like there's no hard feelings. So um, he might have a point to prove against Guardiola against City, but yeah, I think it'll be more of a, a friendly reunion uh, than any other sort of maybe any bite or or, or anything like that. Um, and he it, it is the type of player we talk about players coming to City and needing a year, maybe two, to really sort of find the feet. Maybe that's the same for for Bayern. Maybe it will. It has the adverse effect where if you played so long under Pep Guardiola, you need a couple of years to sort of get to know another manager. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see him, but um, definitely, especially with City's uh, less, they've not got a lot of options at fullback, have they? I think with uh, Sane, Mane, and Gnabry, that's going to be a real, real test for uh, Cancelo and Walker. And it was interesting yesterday. So the the press box, I don't know if you if you saw, was eight stories high. It was right at the top. It was it was like watching down uh, right. rather than than across. Like FIFA. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the bird's eye view, literally. But it was quite interesting to see the way that the formation shifted quite a lot, which you might not always see if you say in the first here. Um, there was one, for about 30 seconds, there was one moment that they were playing 4-4-2, which I was quite excited about. But largely, it was uh, Cancelo was basically playing alongside Rodri. It was, a, it was a back three, basically, with Kyle Walker coming in. I don't think they'll be able to get away with that against Bayern Munich. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will offer City another tactical thing to think about. And there's a lot of teams in the Premier League who do play with two quite fast wingers, so they will have to play basically a, a straight back four. So, yeah, I think that that will provide a, a different sort of test for, for Guardiola to think about. I did have a semi-serious question to ask you, but first you've just reminded me, Jao Cancelo, number seven. Verdict, Alex. It's a weird <laughs> one, it must be said. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fan, but then you know, Alexander Kolarov had 11, didn't he? Mm. So you know, maybe it's just a thing at City, you know, fullbacks with attacking numbers. Zinchenko, you know, he had 11, but um, number seven, just I think you can just about accept 11, but number seven, you know, that's I don't know, like I kind of thought that Alvarez or or um, or maybe one of the young players, like maybe maybe it'd be too much pressure for someone like a Cole Palmer to. To take it, and and I think Phil Foden has his reasons for um for, for sticking with forty seven, doesn't he? So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just there. No one wanted it, and fair enough. But not for me. Not for me, Clive. No, I must say I'm torn because it suits him. He's such a like a really good attacking player, so good on the ball, attacking. It does suit him. And I think the bad thing is that it's because it's seven on the left side and seven should be on the right. But he <laughs> is actually a right back, so it it. And I don't think I've never had a problem with eleven at left back. That's always kind of weirdly fit, especially with Zinchenko who's a bit of a midfielder and Kolarov who was so kind of attacking as well. But a left back at number seven that that can't that can't have happened before, Joe. Surely not. No, I, I wasn't too offended by it because they've just they've had Zinchenko at eleven and stuff. And then yesterday, about three times in the opening ten minutes, I was like, who's that? Who's number seven? And <laughs> it really caught me off guard a bit. But he wasn't playing as a left back. He was basically had a free role. At one point, he was the furthest man forward in an attack. Um, he was just roaming through the middle. Um, so yeah, if he's operating from left back, it's going to be weird. But if he's given, if he's playing anywhere, sometimes he might be playing in a traditional number seven role, and mm-hmm. and he does suit it. So I think if anyone 
can pull it off out of position, it's him because he probably will find himself in a number seven position at some point. I tell you, tell you why else it doesn't look quite right. It's because his name's too long on the back. Because he has Jao and Cancelo both on the back. It looks too long for the number seven. With 27, it was two numbers. It, it filled it out. It just looks odd. But we'll see. I'm sure we'll um, give it justice throughout the season. And well, I'll change the... you back. No, I, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll get on. Maybe they'll um, have a bit of sympathy for my, my pedanticness on shirt numbers. But um, kind of before we wrap up, Joe, you know, you're you're over there in the states, and the, these kind of big globe-trotting tours are a relatively new thing for City, especially when you compare them to like Liverpool and United, who've been doing it for going on twenty years now, well over twenty years now, in fact. Um, I recall they went to kind of China and Australia before COVID happened in 2019. And this is the first one that City and several other clubs have been able to do for quite a while because of um, COVID and everything. Um, what are you kind of seeing with the, the kind of the fan base in in, uh, in the States with City? Like, is it kind of evident that City are this now global powerhouse, you know, after just, what is it, takeovers 14 years ago now? That's, they've come a long way in a short amount of time. And are they already kind of rivaling the likes of United and Liverpool for that global recognition. What, what, what have you have you been meeting some City fans on tour? What, what's it been like? Um, there was a lot of City fans there yesterday. A lot walking to the stadium. I've seen a lot um, around in the last sort of 24, 48 hours with with City shirts. I mean, even you get in the taxis and everyone knows who City are and that they are in town. I think this is the third time in Houston. Um, they've been America a few times. As you say, they've been to to Asia a couple of times as well um there's there's definitely a sort of consciousness that city are are here that they are one of the best teams they've got a lot of players um it just being like we were able to go pitch side for the for the warm-ups yesterday and you could hear the excitement of the names that were being read out Grealish got a really big roar before they turned to booze uh, from the Mexican fans um Kevin De Bruyne was obviously very popular um I, I think it's uh, these tours are obviously primarily for commercial reasons, aren't they? But there are a lot of fans here. I was speaking to a few local ones and of the supporters clubs. And uh, one of the guys was saying he doesn't really mind about the game. The game is sort of a sideshow. Obviously, it's great that you can see City in the in Houston where he lives. But he was saying because of the way that these guys follow City over here, it's through sort of individual supporters clubs in every city. And they meet up at sometimes 6am in the morning at a pub to watch the games because that's when the kickoff is and it's sort of a community that you have your own little supporters club if you're even aware of it or you're sort of quite online as well because you're talking to all the other American fans so he said all these events where these supporters clubs are coming together and meeting each other that that was the highlight of the week for him because he's it's more of a social thing because if you think about when you go to the game at the Etihad it is a social thing. You see the same people every time, don't you? You go with the same people, you have your routines. Um, so I, I think it, it was recreating that as well. Um, I don't think they necessarily come here for the fans as the primary, primary reason, but there are a lot of really, really big City fans over here. Um, and it makes such a difference that City come out, do a lot of events. They did a sign-in, a question-and-answer session with all the local fans over here. They've done a lot of fan parties before the game. And I think it really, really makes a difference to to the local fans out here, whether they're Americans who've adopted City or expats who've come over here. So um, those sort of lasting impressions of this week probably, will probably go under the radar, but um, we'll keep sort of slowly building a fan base, even if Liverpool and City are 
the bigger ones, it, it is going to make a difference in sort of building a, a sort of a footprint over here. And finally, as we ended last week's show, oh, sorry, last, the last show a couple of days ago, you are in America. So that means we have dispatches from food hatches. What have you been scranning in the last couple of days? Um, yeah, a lot of meat again, a nice turkey sub. I had one day uh, some seafood. Seafood's quite big over here, I think. Um, that was really good. And then yesterday we went to one of, I think it was one of the top baited barbecues in, in Houston. It was just incredible. Uh, we got the plate and we were like, oh, this isn't going to be a lot. And then it's just, a, yeah, the meat fell off the bone and probably the best biscuit and ribs I've had in a in a long time and sort of slow slow cooked and the, the massive ovens in the back and it was oh, it was it was, uh, it was brilliant. Way to make myself and every listener jealous, I'm no doubt, unless there are any vegetarians, in which case, I apologise for having to <laughs> hear about that. Is good. See, there's something yeah, for everyone. There's something <laughs> for everyone on the Talking City podcast. And of course, there's something, well, there's something for every City fan, at least, over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. Of course, you can get all uh, the latest uh, coverage um, of all things City, Joe on tour, talking to players, Pep Guardiola, coaches, local City fans in the States. Uh, Joe's off to Green Bay next. Um, I believe, are you going today or tomorrow when you're off? Uh, tomorrow uh, via Chicago, so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Joe will be there in Wisconsin for um, to watch City take on Bayern Munich and we'll have all the dispatches from their food hatches and football related both. And of course, me, Alex, Simon and all the rest of the Manchester United team will be keeping it locked down in the UK to bring you all the, the latest transfer rumblings and uh, breaking news. So thank, And of course, you can get all that on Twitter at Man City MEN. You can find us on Facebook as well um, at the Manchester City Manchester Evening News Facebook page. And I believe that's everything we need to plug. So thanks, Alex and Joe, for joining me. Uh, thank you all very much for listening. And I will see you next week. Uh, for the latest episode of Talking City. See you then. Ta-ra.